calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everybody. I hope we are all having a great week so far. I am so tired of the gloomy weather in Los Angeles, but apparently it's supposed to be warmer and sunnier all weekend, and I'm very, very excited, and I'm actually going to be house-sitting for one of the kids that I take care of and taking care of their dog as well while they're out of town this weekend. So I'm going to be able to pretend that I'm like living the fancy life in a house in the hills of Studio City, soaking up the sun by the pool. I'm very, very excited. I love a staycation because for me, it's less stressful than an actual vacation. I always feel like I'm going to forget something. I don't love being super far away from home in general. I think it's very much like a cancer thing (laughs) with me. They say that cancers are very much homebodies, and I feel like I very much personify needing that like safe space in that home. It's probably why I still sleep with my stuffed animal muffin that I've had since I was five years old every single night. Goddess bless Max for never making fun of me for it. He's totally cool with muffin, thankfully. So that's kind of what's going on in my life right now. But before I get into anything today, I wanted to mention again that the deadline is coming up for your coming out stories. So if you do want to send in your story, please, please do so by June 23rd. You can email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist with your story. If you would like to be anonymous, please just let me know and I will make sure to protect your privacy and your safety, so on and so forth. I have reached out to some fellow podcasters and some friends of mine in real life to send me their stories, so those are going to be included for sure. And yeah, I was a little bit worried there for a second because I wasn't getting many stories, but now they're starting to come in, and I'm so happy and very, very excited to be able to put that episode out there as soon as possible. Uh, Because I am going to be house-sitting this weekend, I'm going to be taking this Monday off from a full episode, but I will be re-releasing an old episode that I think is very important for Pride Month. 
So you can all look forward to that. And I will be working on finishing that Patreon episode this weekend. Thank you so much for all of my patrons' patience for getting these done every month. I really, really appreciate it, especially right now with working on a new project that's coming out very, very soon, hopefully. My workload is a little bit ridiculous, and it's hard for me to give everything the amount of attention that I want to. And doing three episodes for this podcast alone, I tell you, it is a lot of work. So maybe eventually someday I'll be able to get a little bit more help. We'll see. All right. Well, if you do want to be a part of Patreon, I've got a lot of really exciting books that I'm thinking of discussing on the Patreon for the Angry Feminist Book Club. You can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link in the bio on Instagram as well if you want to find it that way. You can join the Angry Feminist Book Club at the $5 level or you can join the Feminist Faves level for $8 where you will have access to the book club and you will get these episodes ad-free. And sometimes I put them up a little bit early as well. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely head on over to Patreon. It's also just a really, really great way for all of you, if you're interested in supporting the show financially in any way, but still getting extra content and things like that, Patreon is a really, really lovely way for you to support me. And I really, really appreciate you all joining me on this feminist book club journey. It's been very, very fun so far. Right now, I've just finished the book and I'm working on the episode for Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. I really, really enjoyed this book and I'm really enjoying learning more about the author because this book is semi-autobiographical. So it is fictitious in a lot of ways. And I'm always that person that's like, okay, what's true? What's not? What was real? What wasn't? What was this character really like? Who does this character represent? There's a lot of really amazing themes and discussion topics. The main point of the story is about a woman coming to terms with her sexuality while being raised in a fundamentalist Pentecostal household with an unbelievably overbearing, emotionally abusive mother on top of that. So we're going to get into some discussion of religion, sexuality, sexuality within the church, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that episode, and it should be up shortly. So again, thank you so much for all of your patience. So I hope for those of you who haven't joined the book club, you want to join soon, because we do have quite a bit of episodes in the backlog as well. So now is definitely a good time to join the book club, because you can binge it. Yay! (laughs) All right, enough of me yammering on. Let's get into the news topics of the week. And I think you all know what I'm going to be discussing first. At least if you're a listener from the United States, you know the first thing I'm going to mention is Donald Trump's charges. Once again, Donald Trump made history on Tuesday when he became the first U.S. president to face a federal criminal indictment. In court, he pled not guilty to 37 charges related to the mishandling of classified documents. His lawyers requested a jury trial, which I think is smart because Trump could possibly win over a jury more easily than a judge. And I feel like that's something that the general population isn't very aware of, that if you are indicted for a crime, if there are charges against you, you can choose to have a jury trial or just have the judge oversee your trial. And for some people, it is in their best interest for a judge to look over it because they won't have possibly as many biases that they'll give into as a jury. 
But then sometimes people really, really want a jury trial because, like I think it would be in Trump's case, they feel like their charisma and their persona or their arguments or whatever will be able to sway you know, a jury of your peers more easily than you would be able to sway a judge. So it really does kind of depend on, you know, what your case is, who your client is, what you're trying to argue, so on and so forth. So I think that for Trump's sake, this was definitely the right move for him. Throughout the entire hearing, Trump was completely silent. He sat slouched with his arms crossed and a scowl on his face. Trump's charges allege that he illegally retained national defense information and that he concealed the documents in violation of witness tampering laws. After his appearance in court, Trump stopped at a well-known Cuban restaurant in Miami called Versailles, which is confusing because I feel like Versailles, that's like a French thing. So why is there a Cuban restaurant called Versailles? Somebody explain it to me. I'm probably just being a dummy. Anyways, when he got to the restaurant, he was surrounded by dozens of supporters inside, shaking hands and taking photos with everybody. At one point, Trump bellows out, food for everyone. What the fuck? (laughs) I feel like Trump thinks that he lives in like some sort of bizarre movie starring him. Actually, he definitely thinks that about himself. At one point, his supporters sang happy birthday to him. And when I first read this, I was like, why? That's super weird. But apparently his birthday was on Wednesday, the next day at the time. So I guess it does make sense. After that, Trump could be heard saying, some birthday, we got a government that's out of control. After his visit at the restaurant, he flew to New Jersey, where he spoke publicly at his Bedminster Golf Club about what he called fake and fabricated charges. He told the crowd that he had every right to these documents and said that prosecutors ought to drop this case immediately because they're destroying this country. He goes on, they should never have done this. This was an unwritten rule. You just don't unless it's really bad, but you just don't. But the seal is now broken. So in this quote, I think he's assuming to some unwritten rule that he assumes exists where you don't arrest the former president unless it's like really, really bad. Like, I don't know, maybe murder or something. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some shady shit like that in Trump's past, though, to be honest with you. Anyway, Tuesday was the starting point for a legal process that could take years against Trump. These most recent charges hold the possibility of several years in prison if Trump is ultimately convicted. He will not be facing 400 years of jail time like he's telling his followers because that's absolutely ridiculous. He is also set to go to trial next year in a separate case in Manhattan, New York, over the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. So he's got a really busy couple of years ahead of him, especially since he's also running for president at the same time. And weirdly, Trump's polling numbers since his court appearance on Tuesday has risen just slightly. Partisans have come to his defense, repeating his talking points about an out-of-control justice system that is hounding him unfairly. Fox News is referring to Joe Biden as a wannabe dictator, though he has no role in Trump's charges in any way, but they are furthering the narrative that Biden was not the democratically elected leader. I just simply cannot believe that one person can have the level of audacity to face all of these extreme legal battles and still have the possibility to be president of the United States again. Any woman, any man of color, any minority could Never, never, ever, ever. I just can't believe this is real life sometimes. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. 
But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. All right, so the next two topics that I wanted to share actually relate a lot to each other, and both of them will be discussing sexual assault, sexual harassment, and abuse of minors. So if that's something that you will have a difficult time listening to, go ahead and skip ahead quite a few minutes until we get to the final topic, and that will be a much better listen for you. But the first thing that I wanted to discuss was Ezra Miller, the actor, and the movie The Flash that just came out. So last week, I took one of my little ones to see The Little Mermaid in theaters. It was my first time being in a movie theater since 2019, y'all. It was crazy. I feel like I've talked about this on the show already, but if you haven't seen The Little Mermaid, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing with your life? Go see it. It was so good. So my little one and I had our popcorn ready with our soda, and we sat anticipating the previews. Then, the trailer for the new The Flash movie begins playing, and I remember that there was major controversy surrounding its star, Ezra Miller. I couldn't remember if they had decided to reshoot it or if they kept him in the movie, but sure enough, there they were. And people have mixed feelings about this project going forward after all that has come forward about them. Back in 2020, a video was released that appeared to show Ezra strangling a woman in a bar in Iceland. Their representative said that the strangulation was a, quote, spontaneous reaction brought on by a group of teenagers who were taunting Ezra over their mixed martial arts skills. So apparently they didn't strangle this person. They just went at her collarbone. Okay, Jan. In the spring of 2022, Ezra was arrested twice in Hawaii. First, for disorderly conduct and harassment following an altercation at a bar, and second, for a second-degree assault charge after they allegedly threw a chair at a woman. Ezra claimed that they became enraged after being accosted by a Nazi. In August, Ezra was charged with felony burglary when he entered a couple's home and threatened them. That is literally my worst nightmare, is me sleeping and someone just showing up at the end of my bed. Thankfully, I have a giant pit bull that sleeps in bed with me, so I don't think that will ever happen as long as I have a dog like Penny around. But truly, that's like my biggest nightmare is someone like sneaking into my house and just being in my room in the middle of the night when I'm completely vulnerable and trapped, essentially. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about it. Then reports emerged that a Vermont Child Services Agency was trying to find a mother and three children who allegedly had been living on Ezra's farm. That I need to go into more because I couldn't find a lot of stuff about this online, but some people are like, yeah, you had this like cult forming on this farm and he had this mother and her children there and they've just completely disappeared. What the fuck? 
In June of 2022, Ezra was accused by parents of an 18-year-old from North Dakota for using emotional and psychological manipulation and cult-like behavior to groom their child starting at the age of 12. The identity of the then child is now known because they are now a legal adult and are pretty known in Ezra's circles, I guess, because I had to double check. I was like, should I be releasing this person's name like this article was? But the person's name is Tokata Iron Eyes. And Tokata's relationship with Ezra began in 2016 when she was 12. And when she was 13, Ezra invited her to travel to London to visit them while they made the film Crimes of Grindelwald. She dropped out of school in 2021 in order to more freely follow Ezra. Ezra's former music collaborator stated that he had witnessed them verbally abuse Takata and her parents alleged physical abuse as well. According to a former resident of Ezra's farm, Ezra believed that people criticized their relationship because she is a, quote, and this is really weird, by the way, an apocalyptic Native American spider goddess who, along with Ezra as Jesus Christ, will bring about an indigenous revolution. Apparently, Ezra even refers to themselves as the Messiah to the Native Americans, although they have no Native ancestry and is the only person making this claim. This kind of also reminds me of Jared Leto's alleged cult with all of the young girls following him around. But this is really strange. I'm wondering if there's drugs involved, if this is mental illness, because clearly this person has some violent tendencies and is acting out, but they also just seem like they're losing touch with reality. Anybody who sees themselves as a messiah or the second coming is full of shit always. And there's usually something else going on unless it's something that you know, like they're a narcissist and they've just believed it their entire lives and had people buy into this idea of them. And that's really what a lot of cult leaders are, too. It's like you believe in yourself enough and you have the amount of, you know, charisma or power or just the perfect combination of everything. And you're able to have sway over people. And Ezra, especially being an actor who is pretty popular with like the more like young adult films, the teen films, things like that. It doesn't surprise me that they were able to hold some sort of sway over this child who probably thought that this was just really cool. And they were getting a lot of wonderful attention from this movie star. In August of 2022, a statement was released saying that Ezra apologized for their past behavior and stated that they had recently gone through a time of intense crisis and they had begun treatment for their issues. Amid all of these allegations, Warner Brothers has been questioned over how they're going to proceed with their film, especially because Ezra was playing The Flash, the titular character. Previously, Warner Brothers had given Johnny Depp the boot from the Wizarding World franchise amid his legal battles with Amber Heard, and they downplayed Ezra's involvement in one of those films as well. But they didn't do it this time around with Ezra and The Flash. What they've done instead is keep them completely out of the promotion of the movie, without any interviews or talk show appearances in preparation for the film's release, possibly hoping this whole mess would leave the public consciousness, or that their apology would be enough. Even with all the controversy, the creators of the film stand behind Ezra, even saying that they will continue the role in sequels for the film. Reviewers are also praising their performance. One review says, The troubled star turns out to be the film's chief asset, bringing humor, heart, and vulnerability not often seen in big-screen superheroes. This is just 
unbelievably upsetting to me because, you know, people will say that you should separate the person from the art. And I think that there are certain instances where you can do that. You know, you can disagree with people or have a differing of opinions, but once a person is hurting someone else, even if it's just alleged, I feel like until it is fully investigated, especially with there being a minor involved or a a former minor involved, I really feel like it needs to be fully investigated before these reviewers and everyone else in Hollywood can just so easily invite them back into the fold and praise their performance. I just don't think it's right, especially post Me Too. It just doesn't make any sense to me that people would just turn a blind eye to such unbelievably terrible behavior. And I am not saying that, you know, the world should cancel Ezra Miller. Like I said, I think that there's a lot of issues going on with him with them that need to be addressed. And I think that there needs to be a full investigation about these, you know, criminal things that they've done and they need to be held responsible. And I think that that's my point is that there's no accountability when we push people's bad behaviors aside and instead celebrate them for their talent. I think that there needs to be time and accountability and space between Ezra and Hollywood for them to be able to heal, for us to be able to see some accountability. I just think that it's very confusing the way that Warner Brothers and now, you know, the public, these reviewers are handling this entire situation. I think they're just handling it incredibly poorly. I also read online One reason the Miller case has proven so infuriating is because if this PR strategy works, what's to stop studios from rolling it out for further alleged abusers? If the press doesn't push back and audiences remain indifferent, it will be replicated. My point exactly. So the next story that I wanted to cover, like I said, is very similar in theme to what I was discussing with Ezra Miller, as it deals with a famous person with allegations of abuse against them. But this person was actually brought to my attention by a listener. So thank you for reaching out and suggesting this topic. I really, really appreciate it. If anyone has any topics they want to suggest for me in the future, please, I love getting the DMs with topic suggestions from all of you. So feel free to do that whenever you please. Prosecutors in Berlin, Germany are investigating Till Lindemann, the lead singer of the band Rammstein, after several women have come forward with allegations of sexual assault and claims that they were drugged. In May, 24-year-old Shelby Lynn from Northern Ireland claimed someone named Elena McKeeva, who described herself as a casting director on tour with Till Lindemann, invited her to sit in a special section at a concert in Lithuania they called Row Zero. Then Shelby was led underneath the stage where Lindemann allegedly made advances toward her that she rebuffed, which he reacted to with anger. After Shelby's story went viral, other women began to come forward. The other women said they were also being approached by someone saying they were a casting director who wanted to arrange a meeting with Lindemann. One woman reportedly passed out and woke up to find Lindemann on top of her. The band posted a statement to their Instagram saying that they want their fans to feel safe and comfortable at their concerts. They have barred this casting director, Makiva, from attending any future shows, and after parties for the band's concerts in Munich last week were canceled, as well as future after parties at the moment are all being canceled. 
German lawmakers have gotten involved and are calling for enhanced security at Rammstein concerts as well as for other major events. Now, this brings up a larger subject of sexual assaults occurring at concerts. There was a so-called dark figure study that was carried out to ascertain the number of assaults committed at these concerts and festivals. In 2018, more than a thousand female and male festival goers were surveyed about their experiences. One-fifth of all visitors, regardless of their gender, had already been harassed. Among women under 40, that figure was as high as 43%. Only 2% reported the incident to the police, hence why it's considered a dark figure study. Glastonbury, the largest festival in England, has offered a women's section in front of the stages since 2016, and organizers describe it as an intersectional, queer, trans, and disability-friendly space, and it's run exclusively by those who identify as women. In 2017, the Hamburg-based FKP Scorpio, one of the largest festivals in Europe, came up with a plan where people in trouble could contact festival staff using the code word PANAMA. If the word is uttered, the person is immediately removed from the situation without their having to give reason and taken to a protected zone. Once there, the person can decide whether or not to report a crime. The quote-unquote Panama system has caught on and is used at many large events. Many event organizers rely on awareness teams, or A-teams, who move around the entire event site in a recognizable manner to give fans food for thought about sexism, homophobia, and racism. This sounds like the perfect job for me. Why has no one called me about this? They are also points of contact when problems arise. A company called Wacken Open Air relies on a large female staff on their security team, with almost half of their staff being women. One website said, Crimes like sexual assaults clash with the ideas of freedom, happiness, togetherness, and escape from everyday life that should go hand-in-hand with music festivals, where it is hoped people go to simply let their hair down. In Wacken, they say that doing harm to others, that's not metal. All right, Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, I wanted to talk about something super happy, celebratory, and totally fitting for Pride Month. The Tony Awards on Sunday were like nothing audiences had ever seen before. With the writer's strike still going on, the host, Ariana Dubois, did the entire show unscripted, and two non-binary performers took home awards. Jay Harrison Gee and Alex Newell became the first openly non-binary performers to win acting prizes at the Tonys. Gee won the award for lead actor in a musical for their performance as Jerry slash Daphne in Some Like It Hot, and Newell won the award for featured actor in a musical for their role as Lulu in the musical Shucked. When speaking to Variety about their decision to submit as lead actor for the Tonys, as well as for the Emmys for their performance in a show called Accused, Guy said, 
It's not a gendered profession to me, and I was grateful to be asked for consideration on where I wanted to be viewed. Making that decision wasn't hard on my spirit. It was just to be confident and intentional about my work and meeting the moment. Newell answered the same question. I went based off the English language. Everyone who does acting is an actor. That is genderless. However, there are some non-binary actors that have decided to opt out of their nominations for awards, such as my crush, Liv Hewson, who benched themselves from the Emmys for their role as Van in Yellow Jackets. Liv told a reporter, There's not a place for me in the acting categories. It would be inaccurate for me to submit myself as an actress. It neither makes sense for me to be lumped in with the boys. It's quite straightforward and not that loaded. I can't submit myself because there's no space for me. This makes me wonder if it may feel different for actors who were assigned male at birth rather than female at birth because they're used to the more gender-neutral term of actor being used to refer to them and how they define themselves, where someone like Liv Hewson, who will probably be misgendered a lot as being female, you know, actress, just doesn't make sense. But then I feel like people would definitely not understand them being in the actors or boys category as well. So I feel like, you know, different people are going to have different experiences. Of course, I am a cisgender woman. I don't have that same type of experience. But I've been referring to everybody as actor, period, for a while, because I totally agree with what Alex Newell says in that we are all just actors, if that's what you do. We don't have to add a tress at the end of it, you know? Alex Newell said when winning the award, Thank you for seeing me, Broadway. I should not be up here as a queer, non-binary, fat, black, little baby from Massachusetts. And to anyone that thinks they can't do it, I'm going to look you dead in your face that you can do anything you put your mind to. Ah, I love it. Alex first made their debut on the Ryan Murphy reality show that was attached to the show Glee called The Glee Project, which I was obsessed with, which came out in 2014. At the time, they were out as a gay man, and they won the runner-up position in the competition. So the winner was going to get some sort of episode arc on Glee, and even though Alex didn't win, the producers enjoyed them so much that they created a role for them to appear on for two episodes. Their character was Wade, Unique Adams, a transgender teen who was assigned male at birth. Their character on Glee was one of the first of their kind on a network TV show. Alex made their Broadway debut in 2017 when they played the role of Asaka in the revival of Once on This Island. They also had a role on the show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist in 2021, but it was canceled after two seasons. Then in 2023, they began performing as Lulu in the show Shucked, which is how they won their Tony. Guy began working professionally at Tokyo Disneyland on cruise ships. It was in Tokyo that they began cultivating their drag persona, Crystal Demure. They have appeared in Broadway productions of Mrs. Doubtfire and as Velma Kelly in Chicago, which is like, hello, a dream role. They joined the cast of Some Like It Hot in 2023. Congrats to both Alex Newell and Jay Harrison Gee. Thanks for helping pave the way for other LGBTQ plus performers on the stage. All right, that's all the news topics that I have for you today, but I'm just going to give you another little reminder. Send me your coming out stories. Join the Angry Feminist Book Club if that's something you're interested in. If you want these episodes ad-free, join the Feminist Faves level on Patreon. I've got it all for you. <laughs> 
Also, if you want to support me, you can also give me a review on Apple Podcasts or rate me on Spotify. I so very much appreciate that as well. And you know, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I love you all. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye-bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.